Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Lilia Sherman, who is a technology industry executive, author, and advisor, and the managing director of the Sherman Group. Lilia helps technology innovators find and pursue new revenue and growth opportunities. Her clients have included leaders like DEA Systems Oracle, Intervoice, and Symantec, and also rapidly growing new ventures. She's had a diverse career in high tech where she's led business development, global system integrator alliance marketing, and worldwide demand marketing, developed a supply chain strategy, and ran business process and quality improvement material, uh, programs. Lilia is the author of 42 Rules for Growing Enterprise Revenue, and she's an advisor in Stanford's Global Entrepreneurial Marketing Program. So welcome, Lilia. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Linda. Great. I'm glad you're here. So you're talking a lot these days about something called customer relevance. Can you explain what you mean by customer relevance? Sure. Uh, so, you know, over the past couple of decades, uh, there's been a lot of course, spoken about customer needs and um, customer focus. But uh, what I've seen as the result is that a lot of companies are sounding really generic. And the reason for that is that if you are talking to a customer about their needs and you've done your homework and your competitor is talking to a customer about their needs and they've done their homework, of course you're going to end up sounding the same. So what we talk to uh, folks about is uh, considering the context within which those needs exist. Uh, how will your, what is the context within which your product will be used? What is the context within which the decisions to spend money are being made? And um, the reason for that is that it's really the context that determines value. And let me give you kind of a funny example of that. Um, if you imagine that you're thirsty, um, and you reach out for a, bo a bottle of water, mm -hmm. um, the context in w in, within which that is happening is going to determine the value of that water. If you're wandering through a desert, that's a very tangible need. It's a difference between life and death, just like it is for many people in the world who don't have dependable drinking water. If we're sitting here in the United States, the uh, value of that water is much more uh, perceived than tangible. So in a, a, a consumer context, uh, uh, ima or imagined or perceived need is essentially good enough to set a price. In a B2B world, however, your um, value has to be based on a very tangible and quantitative need. So understanding the context in a particular company is really critical to setting a tangible value for whatever it is you're selling. And that context can change with the same customer or client because uh, depending on how thirsty I am, if I'm only moderately thirsty, even if I'm not in the desert, then I may decide I want a certain brand of water. But if I've just had a 20-mile run and I'm really thirsty, anything in the bottle is going to be fine. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So are you defining context as the environment that the company is in or um, how you exactly are you defining context? Well, we think of it as uh, four, there's four dimensions to it, and the environment is certainly one. So the industry that the company is in, the trends, government regulations, um, all the things that are coming in from the outside. 
The second dimension is the company itself. Is it growing? Is it going international? Is it acquiring other companies? What are the key initiatives? Again, most of this is public available information. But there are things even in dimension two that you have to dig deeper for. What's their procurement process? What kind of history do they have with similar initiatives? Uh, are they considering being acquired um, internally? So these first two dimensions of context, uh, the environment and the sort of publicly available company information, they're easy to obtain. Uh, if you think of an iceberg, this is the stuff above the waterline. Right. It's needed to be credible, right, to get your foot in the door, uh, to even begin to have a sales conversation. But the challenge is all your competitors know this stuff too. So it's not sufficient to really demonstrate tangible, provable, and unique value, to really demonstrate that you matter. So the other two dimensions are use cases and people. These are more difficult to understand, but they're the key to really proving you matter. Okay, so I, I've heard of use cases in software design, but I'm not familiar with how use cases would be used, if we can say that, <laughs> in a marketing context. So maybe you can help tell our listeners exactly what you mean when you say use case in, in the sense of marketing. Sure. So essentially use case answers one simple question. It answers what is it for? Uh, so let's take an example I think uh, most people are familiar with. If you look at LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. uh, generically, users might describe their needs similarly. I need a system that tracks all of my business contacts and that lets me exp expand my network over time. That's what LinkedIn is. That's what it does. But if you really look at different segments of users, what it's for is going to be answered very differently. Some people are there to find sales leads. Some are building personal brand. Some are really just using it as a self-updating address book. Right now, a lot of people are using it for job hunting. And if you think about the needs and the situation within which each of those segments uh, uses uh, the product, you're going to realize that the way you market, uh, the value you claim, the features you offer even, are going to be somewhat different for each group. So um, in a B2B context, I describe a use case as a combination of the objectives, processes, systems, metrics, and people, all of which are coming together to contribute to some high-level corporate goal. So, uh, for example, if you're selling an Internet portal, um, you need to understand whether your customer is going to be doing e-commerce or using it as an employee portal or some sort of channel management device. Right? So each of those is a separate use case. We may have the exact same product but used very, very differently by different customers. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Great. So then how would a marketing department incorporate use cases or even context in general in terms of how they build marketing programs? Sure. So let me back up for just one second here and sure. say that generally, you know, we talk about relevance and the use, and the use case being a part of what contributes to being relevant to customers. Um, but relevance overall is not just a marketing responsibility. It's something that's really a a, a corporate skill, if you will, but right. that's probably a whole other podcast, so let me just focus in on marketing today. Um, understanding the details of a use case provides a way to relate really detailed information about a product to very high-level business goals. And the reason it allows you to do that is because it has 
all the detail that provides credibility and believability rests within the use case so that your value propositions become uh, provable, unique, relevant, believable. So um, the easiest way to explain it is to give an example. I'm going to use a kind of a silly one with chairs, uh, but I think it illustrates the point well. Okay. Um, so um, let's say that I am selling office chairs, and uh, they are ergonomically designed, some sort of high-tech, breathable material, and so on. And I notice that a lot of my uh, the companies that are buying the chairs are putting them in their contact center. Okay. That's a particular use case, right? Right. So if I were to tell a story, if I were to use that information about that use case to sell my chair, I might tell a story like this. I might say, look, our chairs are ergonomic. People are very comfortable sitting in them. They breathe. They perspire less. Um, they're more comfortable. And what we found when we've talked to our customers is that contact center agents who are using our chairs tend to get up for breaks a little less often. And they're in their seats, uh, we've measured, about 5% more than agents who get uncomfortable and have to get up and stretch. And as you know, every extra minute in a contact center seat means more phone calls, more uh, online contact, and therefore more conversions. Uh, into sales. Now, I believe, Mr. Customer, that you've mentioned that your average um, sale is uh, $30. So uh, we can calculate that if your agents are able to stay in their seats 5% longer per day times the 500 agents that you have, you're going to see a really big increase in, a significant increase in sales through a contact center where the agents are more comfortable in our chair. Got it. Interesting. So it's kind of crazy, but what I've just done is I've connected a chair to revenue. Right. And, right. and you've done it in the context of what's important to the customer. Exactly. Yeah. So I've related specific features, and notice that what I did was I brought in quantitative numbers about the measures that my particular customer in his particular context cares about most. So this sounds like a great way to communicate value, but how can you measure this objectively, uh, particularly if you have to pay attention to context to make a difference? So is there a way to measure how effective we're being here? Well, I've, I've got two kinds of metrics that I can quote you. One is more anecdotal, specifically about the, the use of use cases. Okay. Um, so a couple of companies, I'll give you the example of Informatica. Um, a couple of years ago, they started focusing on use cases to better understand how their products are being used. And what ultimately happened was they shifted their entire product management and marketing function to align to use cases because they saw how effective it was in uh, communicating the value and essentially closing deals. Um, another one is CA, formerly known as Computer Associates, um, they took a particular target industry and identified uh, three use cases within, to start with within that target industry. And uh, it was a big effort to convert uh, sales folks who had been uh, you know, using essentially product features to sell, uh, as many technology companies, salespeople do. Um, but over 
within two quarters, after all the training had been delivered worldwide, these guys blew away their numbers. They came in at double their sales quota. Wow. And even to this day, that industry is still the fastest growing one uh, because they made the shift from a product-oriented sell to uh, a very you know, use case, customer-focused sell. Uh, more generically, we do a study every year um, on industry specialization among B2B vendors. So there we focus on just one aspect of context, right, and a pretty high-level one, industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what we're trying to figure out is how they specialize, but also why, what results are they seeing. In other words, if you customize your go-to-market approach to that one dimension of context, do you see any benefit? Now, this last year we had um, 125 companies, and that was uh, kind of half product companies, half uh, services companies. Three quarters of them said that um, they saw a significant or notable impact on three metrics, revenue, leads, and brand awareness. Um, That was after a couple years of doing the specialization. And even the ones who had just started within the last year or two half of them said they saw a significant or notable increase in sales, revenue, um, I'm sorry, sales, leads, and brand awareness. So the three metrics being revenue or sales, leads, and then brand awareness. Right. Right. So in other words, what we're seeing is uh, a focus, and that's not even the detail of a use case, right? That's just a high-level context of a company. Um, Has a big, big impact on how relevant you can be to a customer. That's great. That's wonderful. What a difference. Anytime we can find a way to make ourselves more relevant to a customer and differentiate ourselves and build that relationship, that's a very, very good thing. Absolutely. So we've been talking here with Lilia Sherman. Lilia is the Managing Director of the Sherman Group and also the author of 42 Rules for Growing Enterprise Revenue. You can find out more about her on her website, which is www.sherman.group.com. And she also has a blog called Revenue Orchard. Can you tell us, Lilia, how we could uh, access your blog? Sure. So the, the URL is the name. It's www.revenueorchard.com. And uh, on that same site, uh, if you click on our, the, the book page, the uh, 42 Rules page, you can also um, have a gift of an excerpt of the book for free. Oh, that's wonderful. Terrific. Thank you very much. It's been great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Linda. Okay, this is Linda Popke for Marketing Thought Leadership. And we look forward to listening uh, and and, uh, hearing from someone else next time. Here's to great marketing in the meantime. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.